Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Vegas lead, clearly this mega trade between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden traded to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and draft picks. Okay, so the assumption here is that the, the market said that Harden was much more valuable than Simmons. Why else would there be so many throw-ins? I think what needs to be identified is Harden's decision to uh, accept next year's salary, which the way the deal was, he could have opted out of a commitment to next year for him. And that would have meant at the end of this year, he was up for a new contract. The act of him opting in really decreases his leverage. So now you have two seasons with Harden with price certainty and without having to make a long-term commitment. And let's be candid. His age seems to be showing Harden. So, AJ, the first thing I see is that to whatever degree Harden is better than Simmons and the uncertainty of Simmons, that amount of difference is bolstered, is increased the Harden's advantage over Simmons because of this action of accepting next year's deal, opting into next year's deal. Because that means, hey, if this really is pot-bellied Harden starting to show his age, his knees are going, whatever, his hammy, you're going to know by the end of next year it's going to show itself. And, hey, you're out if you want to be out. Yeah, him, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I- Yeah, I apologize. Him opting in basically guarantees that he will be in Philadelphia for the next two seasons, and the Sixers don't have to make an immediate decision this, you know, this offseason and say, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to make this guy another a mega deal contract so they can get two years worth of James Harden, which is probably, you know, like you said, his age beginning to show. You're still probably going to get close to prime James Harden for the next two years without making the commitment of the next six years beyond that, which I think by the time you get halfway through that next contract of James Harden, it's going to be very onerous for whoever has that contract. So Philly gets some flexibility by by having James opt in and take... not So they're not getting him for just this year. They've got him locked in for next year as well. Yeah, and, and the price for next year isn't cheap, but it's one year. So let's say this... I mean, uh, there's an old saying, protect the downside, the upside takes care of itself. So let's think about the downside for Philadelphia. The downside is that Harden just keeps his precipitous drop. He's got, he's got a downward trending arrow, and imagine it just keeps on going. Well, listen, you gave up something of value, even though Simmons wasn't yielding for the Sixers this year. He is an asset that, again, we see was valuable. I mean, if anything, this is a redemption, it seems, to the 76ers front office and Daryl Morey's approach here is it, 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 it really has worked out, I think, better. Now, I, let's make a caveat to this. Seth Curry is a big piece, or was, of the current Sixers team. Yep. M- McKenzie, who specializes in the NBA, McKenzie Rivers, would you agree uh, about the significance of, of Curry, not that Curry, Curry to the Sixers? 100%. He's probably the best shooting guard 
in the East outside of James Harden. And the theory is, hey, this is a good trade, but because if all you look at is what was producing on the floor, well, Harden is better than Curry, better than Drummond. You know, all that package doesn't compare to Harden, though Seth Curry is a meaningful player. Now, the theory is, well, if Simmons were playing, which team would be better? And this is, I think, the real question to see if Morey gets uh, the real flowers, as they say these days, the real acclaim. Or was this just kind of escaping with a good deal, but maybe a problem this team made? Because remember, after the playoffs last year, the Sixers were frustrated, got beat by the Hawks, and there was a lot of loose talk. Doc Rivers, the coach, and beat even about Simmons' struggles, which if most recall, missing a bunch of free throws, not willing to shoot the ball, just a real disaster under pressure. As much of a blow-up, uh, a disaster as you, we've seen from a star player. Remember, Simmons has multiple uh, uh, all-NBA type designations, or all-NBA designations. I think there's two in his history, which means he's been declared by the right, by the key people that decide these things, one of the top 15 players in the league. There's three teams on the All-NBA, first, second, third, five players each. He was one of the top 15 players in the league for two seasons, it's been determined. And last year, he was the number two vote-getter for Defensive Player of the Year. So if you got one of the best defenders in the NBA who has been in the top 15 recently, that's a valuable asset. Sure. And it was completely devalued. By the playoff series, yes, but maybe more so by the hubbubaloo after and the way there was such a distancing of the Sixers from Simmons to the point where he has refused to participate. Now, I'm not saying Simmons is right, but I'm saying this is what's happened, and they had a lot of years to get to know Simmons and build trust. And obviously the Sixers failed in that regard, and my question would be to you, AJ and McKenzie, whoever has an opinion is Simmons playing with the Sixers, with Seth Curry, with all the pieces they were going to move or are moving for Harden, is that team better than the team that will exist now with Harden but without those pieces? My opinion is yes, they will be better. I, I think that he gives them something that they are desperately missing, which is a defensive you know, stopper. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about Philadelphia first. Oh, it, Philadelphia. Well, yeah, let me let me say this one more time. Is there's two scenarios that could have happened. Scenario one is this wasn't a problem after Simmons blew up in the playoffs. They accepted the loss. They didn't get all histrionic. They didn't get all you know talking loosely and saying negative things about Simmons. Which again, I think they were mostly true. But the fact that he reacted the way he did made it where he didn't want to be on this team, and thus this trade was forced. My question is, if they didn't act that way and Simmons would have still been on this team this year, the Sixers, okay, would that team be better with Simmons and Seth Curry and Drummond and those draft choices, which doesn't affect the team this year, would that team be better than the current version of the team with Harden but without Simmons and Curry? 
No, I would say this version, this new version, would be better because what the Sixers desperately lacked was a second scoring option, and and I think what Harden brings is obviously instant offense, something that Ben Simmons just never could bring, and I think that was a frustrate. That's really where the frustration stemmed from for everybody was that they needed someone who was willing to take shots when Joel Embiid was getting doubled or whatever was happening, or just if they needed someone to take a shot from the outside. James Harden is never going to be questioned on is he a willing offensive player. He is no doubt that. Uh, so I, I would yeah. say that the Sixers are better right now for, for this. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Okay, so I won't give my opinion until we get McKenzie's. I think it's important to realize with Harris, a, a, a max guy that's offensively inclined, and with Seth Curry, I'm not so sure as this team's evolved that the desperation for Simmons to be anything more than the fourth score in theory is my thought. What do you think, McKenzie? I agree with that, but I think it's about the geometry of the Sixers. Like, yeah, Ben Simmons – could be a, a pass first, you know, point guard for them, and they'd be well, okay. Well, first of all, he, he has been up until. Yeah. Let's get something straight. Up until the playoffs last year, Simmons was there was real no really no dip in the Simmons esteem in the league. If if we would have did a poll at the beginning of the playoffs last year before the blow up about where Simmons' standing was relative to a year before, a year before, there were people saying he should have been Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, I think that was ridiculous. I you know, but I think he as a two, number two vote there behind Gobert. Yeah, okay, but but because I thought Gobert was so dominant defensively last year. Sure. But the reality is that that I believe that any downgrade of Simmons before the playoffs would have been very modest relative to the year before the year before. So Mackenzie, do you agree with that? Yes, I, I do. And, he, and that would have made him a top 15 to 20 player in the league. That I very much disagree with. And I'm an, on an island. I've been on an island on right, this we for a long time. Then I'll give you 30 seconds to make your contrary case. But, I mean, listen, there's 50 NBA people that are on one side and there's McKenzie on the other. So go. So last year, advanced at player efficiency rating, Ben Simmons had 18.4. In the playoffs, he had 18.1. It barely dipped. The reason why all the noise about how bad Simmons was is because in the fourth quarter of the last six games of the Eastern Conference Series versus the Hawks, he had one attempt in the fourth quarter. It wasn't that he was playing bad. He just wasn't aggressive, and it didn't fit with what the Sixers needed out of that, out of that second star. Well, first off, there's a difference between – I think what you're saying is pretty logical, except I think it's making my point. What you're saying is that he played about as well – in the playoffs, except for something major, or maybe not major, you can decide that. But to me, if you can't, if you're scared to take a free throw and you're like shaking at the free throw line and you're shooting like 36 percent, 
Like Will Chamberlain looks like a, 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 a and Shaq look like a champion free throw shooter next to you, two fifty percent guys. That's a bigger problem than oh, just he's not aggressive. It was effectively he wouldn't. I mean, like literally, like guys like um, uh, Anthony Mason from the Knicks back in the day that was like a bodybuilder. Those guys would take a fifteen footer, right? Like there's never been a defensive player that won't take a fifteen footer, and it's like. When Simmons went from a modest offensive player that wouldn't shoot threes to a guy that wouldn't even drive to the basket because he was afraid to shoot free throws and wouldn't shoot from outside of his life depended on it, that completely, you want to talk about geometry, that completely messed up the team where the, the defenses were able to act in a way like he didn't exist versus him shooting from 18, let's say at a below league average, is much preferable to not existing on offense. And do you think that Doc Rivers or Embiid don't understand the game enough to know what he did was drastically different? No, and Joel Embiid pointed out after their Game 7 loss, the turning point was in the fourth quarter. Ben Simmons had what looked like a wide-open dunk, turned it out for a pass, ended up being a missed shot. Psychologically, as much as anything, that was the killer point of the season for the Sixers. Yeah, I would say psychologically, but I also would say practically that that, that might have been emblematic of it, and I remember that play. But it, it, and again, I think the Sixers played this wrong. And and what my takeaway from this part of the conversation would be, my conclusion, is this is probably a pretty darn good trade for the Sixers, all things considered. But part of what's being considered is the fact that he is a loss. He was a lost cause Simmons with the Sixers because of the way they reacted. Because let's be candid, he hasn't played a game since he played at that. That way in the playoffs, but somehow Brooklyn's willing to trade for him, which means there's a belief that that wasn't his truth, that there's the truth of being all NBA or at least close was the truth. AJ, last word on this part. I would say one other thing that the Nets find appealing in Ben Simmons is I think that they don't have any intentions of him being their point guard. And I think what that what that series last year showed is that it's very difficult to have a point guard who's unwilling to take a shot or if, if it's if it's presented to him. And I think if the Nets use him off the ball, I think that they they believe How they'll have more success. How can you use him success. off the ball when he won't, off the ball implies that he has to be a scorer. Off the ball implies that he doesn't have to handle the ball going up and down the but court. But he's a great offense. ball handler. He, he, sure he is, and he, he could be a great ball handler at the power forward position instead of the point guard position. Okay, so but that's, I mean, a point forward was effectively what the Sixers were running with them. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was up top and playing like, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah Thomas, you know, the original back in the day. Is uh, To me, it, this all comes down to the idea that what Simmons was – was, as, as McKenzie said, I think correctly, uh, limited as a score. His PR didn't show, you know, because, listen, these advanced stats really struggle to show defense. That's just all there is to it. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and, RJ, you seem like you're not, you're not really pleased with either side's outcome in this deal. Well, I think that what matters is, at what point are we judging this from? If we're judging it from a disgruntled Harden and a, a, a maximally disgruntled Simmons, then I think both teams did all right. And the Sixers, from that perspective, I think did exceptionally well. But if we judge it from, hey, there's no reason Harden couldn't have been happy in Brooklyn. There's no reason Simmons couldn't have been happy in Philly, though that would have been more difficult. 
compared to that, I don't think it's much of a deal for either team. But we'll get into the details of my opinion there. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you for that. We'll keep working extra hard to try to make it worth your while to spread the word because that's what helps grow the show. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 74 degrees. The neon is chugging. All right, RJ, we looked at this from the Sixers' perspective. How do you see it from the Brooklyn Nets' side of things? Okay, Simmons, who was a and probably is a really strong defender and uh, slightly above average at his, you know, at his height, I guess, player otherwise, offensive player with all the elements. He's obviously a bad shooter, bad free throw shooter, but as a passer, as a guy that can push the ball and transition, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's the certainty on him not being the head case? And we can say, you know, I don't know what to say. The person with the psychological problems as they manifested during the playoffs. Yeah, let's just say head case because we're talking about basketball. Whatever happens off the court and whatever issues he may or may not have, I wish him the best and I am very sympathetic. But on the court, he's a head case. And to me, if he returns to where he was before the playoffs last year, I still think he's a lesser player than Harden. So in a weird way, what you're saying is if everything goes right for Brooklyn, they'll only downgrade a little bit from Harden. But man, there is a lot of space below that that things could go. Because if Simmons is the player for the rest of his career he was in that playoff series... I'm not sure he's in the – I mean, maybe he's in the league, but, I mean, he's like the fifth or sixth best guy on a team. Not, You know, he's not an elite guy. So what do you, what do you think about any of those thoughts, AJ? I, I think you make a great point that if – that what we saw in that playoff series is the truth of Ben Simmons. If a change of scenery or a change of position or a change of surrounding parts doesn't help Ben Simmons, then this is a disaster for the Nets. And you just kind of wonder what the hardened disgruntledness, where it came from. From what I understood, James Harden wasn't happy with the fact that Kyrie Irving was a part-time player on the team. Okay, so, I, I mean, okay. So now what? You, it was one player of, of, of 12 or whatever that you're not happy with. You, you still got Durant, maybe the – and probably most – well, I think him and, and, and Giannis are clearly the two best players right now. I mean, Steph Curry, I think uh, you could make the case. I wouldn't, though. I think Steph Curry top five or seven. But, I mean, if you got one of the best players in the league and you think you're one of the best players in the league, and Irvin is certainly a top 15 player when he's on the court, I mean, Lordy B, uh, that seems like you got more talent than you've ever had. If it's half of Irvin, Durant, when he comes back, and you, you should have, you know, Harden in this case has more talent than he's ever had. None of those Houston teams had that talent. No. The, the only one that would be in the discussion was his Oklahoma City teams. Yeah, but Harden was a six-man. Sure. But you're, you're right. I mean, he would have seen that, and you would have said they probably had more talent. But I don't even know. They couldn't even win the title, but they were young and, you know. But uh, – go ahead. I think the results so far, being you know sitting in 29-25, the eight seed in the East right now, 
if if you're frustrated and the results are poor, it just it multiplies yeah. that frustration. How many games out from like second are they? Like four, six. Yeah, I mean, listen. Let's look at before today. If we look at yesterday's title odds, let's let the betting market tell us what kind of trouble Brooklyn was in pre-trade. So, Mackenzie, as of yesterday or the day before pre-trade, what were the? Uh, give us the favorites to win the title. As of yesterday, the ninth, the Nets were the favorite at plus four hundred. Followed wait, by wait, the hold Suns. on, hold on. The favorite in the New York metropolitan area. No, the entire country and world. So more than the Phoenix Suns? Yes, yeah, Suns would be second, tied with the Warriors at plus 450. This is yesterday. And then the um, That's good. Milwaukee That's good. Bucks. That's good. So Harden was frustrated because he was on the, the title favorite? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the case you're making, AJ? I, I I don't know I don't I don't know the mindset of James Harden but I just all I what well, you, I read you were Houston was that for like he was ten years with him and I also know that nobody likes playing with James Harden that, that's that? one thing I can say for sure but that has nothing to do with him what I what I know is I read that James Harden was unhappy with Kyrie Irving being a part time player for the team I'm sure Harden's unhappy about something if the strip club doesn't have the buffet out past one o'clock I bet he's not happy either. <laughs> But, I mean, the fact, I mean, let's be candid. He was renowned as one, I mean, he kept the strip club economy in Houston going, is what I've heard. I think that's probably fair to say. <laughs> Are you scared to say the truth I, of it? No, I, th- I think it kept it going, maybe kept it strong, vibrant. I think he was a major player in that. And okay. part of his disgruntledness, Harden reportedly much preferred living in Houston versus Brooklyn. I'm not sure if that was the club scene. Well, of course. Why? I mean, living in New York City, I mean, that can't be any good, right? When you, when you make $50 million a year. <laughs> I mean, how could he have – I mean, what, was scores not open late enough? I mean, listen, I love him on the court. I actually disagree with the whole not fun to play with. I would make the case that that was about the offense Houston was running, which he obviously was okay with. But when he came to Brooklyn, I think it's unequivocally true. And we'll look for a second at his stats when the big three were together playing and, and all the stats. But I think it's undebatable that Harden was – very accommodating to the reality of Brooklyn's offense, and he didn't want it to be me, me, me. And, and I think he played exceptionally well. Let's look at the team results. So, Mackenzie, how many games did the big three for Brooklyn, formerly Brooklyn, uh, for Harden, play together during all his time with the team? 16 games. All right. What was the team's record? 13-3 and three in those games. Pretty good, pretty good. Any other numbers jump out at you? Yes, the Nets set a record last year for offensive rating at 118 as a team. Just looked it up in the 16 games they've played together, 127 offensive rating, the big three together, would have beaten the all-time record by eight points a game, essentially. So, so just to be clear, this wasn't just when they were on the court. This was the games they played together in. Correct. Okay, so even when they weren't on the court together – if you take the game and explain offensive efficiency, it's about how many possessions, right? Because sometimes the pace of games or often are different, so they try to make it where everyone's graded on the same uh, level. Yes, per possession, exactly. The NBA game on average is about 100 possessions per team per game. So what the offensive rating is, how many points did you score per 100 possessions? 